the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. scriptures we have read this past week in our reading series and you can listen to the bible live monday through friday on this great station 9 30 in the evening you can hear the bible live you cannot hear me okay no, when i hit well. that last all right hit that last button well, i went deaf John will fix you up in a moment. Uh, Jacob is telling me he, he he's complaining bitterly because he can't hear my dulcet, beautiful voice. Uh, that that's <laughs> at least part of that statement is true. Can you hear me? Yeah, at least part of that statement is true. He can, can't hear me. That's yeah, right. can, can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Thank you. You're uh, well. You you're, know, really, I don't have to hear anybody because I just want people to hear me. <laughs> that's the, that's my attitude exactly. No, we are here for you. The next ninety minutes, we're going to listen to. Uh, we're going to discuss the scriptures we've listened to this past week. Uh, just mentioning Monday through Friday at uh, 9.30 in the evening, you can, listening to this great station, you can hear the Bible live. We read a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures every weeknight, Monday through Friday, and the entire Bible every year. Right. So we are finishing up this week, this past week, we finished up the book of Numbers right. uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. We went into right. the first six chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. So uh, that's what we'll be asking you some questions about and discussing tonight, those passages. Uh, Jacob is here. He's our resident expert on the Hebrew Scriptures, tradition, history, uh, culture, language, 
and really enriches, genuinely enriches our understanding of the, particularly the Old Testament scriptures, but New Testament as well. Remember, uh, Jesus himself, if we sometimes forget, was a fully dedicated, committed, practicing Jewish believer. He was a a, a, a Jewish person, a Jewish man. His disciples were Jews. The early believers, uh, all of the early believers in the early church were, were Jewish believers and whatnot, all. Uh, but the great majority until uh, in times in that first century there it the gospel kind of burst forth from the um, from the city of Jerusalem out into uh, Judea Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world and just spread like wildfire across the Gentile world of the times the Roman Empire uh, but the, the early believers were and Jesus himself were all uh, Jewish uh, Jewish, and they and they wrote from their understanding, from their culture, from their language. And uh, Jacob is such a great, great resource for us here on the Bible Live to give us that perspective and help us to appreciate. Uh, so I can hear some now. Of those things. Good. Yes, can I'm you? a. As I, one time somebody slipped and said, <laughs> "I'm a high white horse souse." You're a high white horse sauce. The guy meant to say a, a high white house source. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said a white a white horse sauce. A white horse. Uh, by the way, I did sauce. listen to the uh, I listened to the Bible live through the week, and I really like that guest you had on there. It sounded a lot like Peter Laurie. Yeah, I heard him say, uh, say I, I saw the eye. I I removed the eye." Was I? Did I have the wrong show? You might have had the wrong show. I'm guessing. I don't remember that one. But uh, is that somewhere in the uh, book of Numbers, maybe? No, it's not in Numbers. I thought it was on your show. I was going to say, I was gonna, hoping you were going to tell me. I must have had a different show. Yeah, I think you did. I think I you saw had the eye. I, I removed the eye. <laughs> is, is that the guy on Frankenstein or something? No, I was Peter Laurie. You remember him? No, I don't. Yes, I know. Years before your age, Peter Laurie. Oh, I'm I'm too young to remember yeah. that, right? Well, here we go. Numbers. Uh, we also read Psalms 34 through 36. You know, we don't give a lot of attention to the Psalms in our discussions right. at times, and, yeah. and they are certainly uh, worthy of hearing. Uh, particularly this week, it, I thought Psalm 34 was interesting because it was written by David to celebrate his escape from uh, Achish, who was um, a king of the, let me see, the Philistines, I believe, and that David somehow managed you know, to ingratiate you know, himself. Real men do eat quiche. Oh, that's right, Achish. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. David managed to kind of ingratiate himself to the, to the Philistines, what do y'all make of that? This this king of Israel, um, kind of getting it, Saul is chasing him, trying to kill him actually. So Jesus, uh, Jesus, whew, David somehow gets involved with the king of Achish, which is yeah. the Philistines. Of course, are enemies of the people of Israel, and so. But David ingratiates himself with them and kind of goes along with them. He never attacks. That's right. Saul, That's he right. never attacks never attacks right. any Jewish, any villages, Jewish people, yes. but he he finds protection in kind of in the employ of of Akish because he's a warrior and uh, 
uh, experience. Well, let's slow it down. And since you want to talk about that for a moment, I do not mind. Uh, so what you've got is, you got, why did David have to run over to the Kish? Because he was trying to escape from Saul, uh-huh. who was pers- you know, pursuing right, him, so. trying to kill him. Uh-huh. Okay, the, and he never attacks you, but he, but then sooner or later, he is forced to kind of make a choice to mm-hmm. continue with Akish, or sure. uh, for two reasons. One, uh, the Philistine generals, the Philistine generals, mm-hmm. were grew suspicious of him. They were they were worried that if they ever went to battle with the Jews with Israel, that he would turn traitor and mm-hmm. turn against them. Sure. And which I guess is understandable. It is. And on the other hand, uh, he, uh, if they were to go to war with Israel, he didn't want to be a part of that. So, so he had to move away from it. But uh, the way he, it's the way he gets out of it that's kind of interesting. Were they going to kill him, or were they? You know, they were. It, it, had they decided to pretty much kill him, or but he he acted. David, we know, was a, a gifted uh, person artistically. He was a musician and all. So evidently, acting was a part of his uh, oh, I believe repertoire. He was the king and all. I think so, because he acted like a crazy man. He, he did. Yeah. You know, he yeah. got spittle in his beard, yeah. and he, you know, kind of acted the crazy. And they, and they. Uh, and, so and they, they immediately they, they hired him. him. Out. Yeah, and then they said, hey, this guy's crazy. He can work with us. <laughs> no, they put him out. They kicked him out of the clubhouse, uh, which was kind of interesting. And that's what uh, Psalm 34 that we read this past week was written by David to celebrate uh, his escape from uh, Akish. That's a kind of a trick that's only going to work one time if you write a psalm about it and everybody reads it. You know, I, you can't I, ever I, use that trick again. <laughs> And then he and then he made the mistake of writing a psalm about it. That, that, I, I see what you mean. But uh, is that? I, I wonder. If, what do is that a revered story from the from uh, the Jewish perspective? Well, I mean, you know, we all read the same Bible, so it's got uh-huh. the stories there. I, but do y'all feel particularly proud of David to do that, or admiring of him? No, or? no, no. I don't think there's any pride or lack of pride. It's just a matter of a story did it, but it does carry a lesson with it. What is that? Well, if your enemy is going to kill you, do what you got to do to survive. Do what you got to do to survive. Oh, well, that's. That's a very Jewish lesson, That's I would right. say. Yeah, so. <laughs> I would say, um, uh, and you know, and I guess the Jewish nation has really uh, actually managed to do that for centuries and centuries. Uh, no about that. No doubt about that either. Um, also, in Psalm thirty-four, we've talked about this, you and I, before. Verse twenty is seen in the uh, Christian world as a uh, as a as a messianic prediction that the none of the bones of the Messiah would be broken, uh, like like the lambs for the Passover and so on. They were to be without blemish, without spot, and with no broken bones and so on. And the idea there was that, that we see on the cross when Jesus was being crucified, they broke the bones of the two thieves that were crucified with him because they wanted to speed their deaths. Uh, crucifixion was, uh, to a great degree, it's a death by suffocation. 
And so when you broke the legs of the prisoners, of the uh, ones being executed, they weren't able to support themselves on their legs, hold themselves or push themselves up, on the, and they would fall. And, and the, the pressure on the lungs, part of the uh, cause of death was uh, 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 suffocation, asphyxiated by the pressure. But when they came to Jesus to break his legs, uh-huh. uh, he was already dead. And they proved it by sticking a sword in his side, and water, water and blood flowed from his side, and so mm-hmm. on. So uh, his bones were not broken. And, and thirty four twenty is uh, it, it, they mention it. Um, Psalm thirty four twenty. They mention it as a uh, one of the reasons that Jesus' bones were not broken on the cross. Um, let's see here. Uh, psalm thirty four thirty five is an imprecatory psalm. It's a psalm of uh, placing a curse. In other words, uh, David here, the psalmist, is asking God to punish uh, people, punish David's enemies, punish God's enemies. Uh, and he is calling for judgment. Now, in some ways, I think we all do that at a certain time. We all think... Uh, even in our own times, we look in our world in, in America today, we we see that there are enemies of the gospel. There are enemies of God's word, God's plan, God's of uh, 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 God's redemptive plan, God's people. And we, sometimes we say, "Lord, why do you allow you take out your enemies? Please remove them, Lord, so we can we can move forward in, in, for the cause of Christ, and we can move forward to the cause of righteousness." And so we do that as well. These are called imprecatory psalms. I think there's about five or six of them uh, among the psalms. Uh, psalm 139 starts out being, for example, a very beautiful psalm of thanksgiving for God's loving care and His uh, protection around us and before us and after us and all. But it's about halfway through that beautiful, gentle, wonderful psalm, all of a sudden it says something like, Lord, wipe out your enemies, you know, cut off their arms and beat them to death with the bloody end, you know, this sort of thing. And uh, we wonder, wow, it seems like the the psalmist has gone kind of crazy about it. But these, that's one of the uh, themes of the psalm is to uh, uh, call upon God to exercise His judgment to remove His enemies and to and those who would persecute us as God's people. So uh, anyway, we read those psalms as well, thirty four through thirty six, uh, and Psalm thirty five is an imprecatory psalm. And um, 36 uh, speaks of God's care for animals, which is very interesting. If you're an animal rights person, I have, a, I have several good friends that are just wonderful. They care greatly about the animals, about being uh, humane, about taking care of the animals and so on. And that is, that is definitely a part of the scriptural mandate as well. We're to care for the animals, for our cattle, for our horses, for our pets and so on. Uh, it's it's brought out in Psalm 36. You can uh, you can see that God cares that as well. It says something about us, the way we treat the animal kingdom. Well, I, I kind of walked through some of the Psalms, Jacob. There, I, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, but I can't think of anything. I believe you may have covered it uh, exhaustively, right? Uh. And is exhaustingly well all right let's go to the book of numbers the the final chapter is 27 through 36 uh we have uh, then god uh taking the people of israel uh just really they're preparing 
there uh, to go into the promised land. They're camped there on the east side of the Jordan. And uh, they put in the, the cities of refuge. We spoke to that uh, to some extent last week. We talked about what the cities of refuge were. Mm-hmm. They were part of the uh, justice system mm-hmm. of the Jewish nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many were there, six or eight? There were six named, but there are a total going to be at the ultimate conclusion when Israel actually becomes the final existent boundaries. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll be 48. But Really? Yes, wow. but that's when the, the full boundaries of Israel is. And if you look at the Israeli flag, you'll see the star, it's white, and there's two blue stripes. Mm-hmm. Those two blue stripes, the Jews know and the Muslims know that that means that's the original bound, boundaries of Israel, two pieces of water. Yeah, the, um, the yes. Mediterranean. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On the uh, west and the uh, River Jordan. On and the, the Atlantic uh, Ocean on the other, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, but, uh, okay, I, I, I'm not sure. The book of Numbers, I, I know we spoke to well, a great let's, deal let's last time. Let's visit that for a second. So, uh, if a guy intentionally kills, mm-hmm. okay, um, if he intentionally kills... He uh, he will and it's not uh, and it's not self defense. Well, yeah. Uh, are we are we talking murder? Is that the idea? I, murder. Or yes, uh huh. If he if he actually kills, uh, for example, in uh, thirty five sixteen, it goes on. If he strikes him with an iron implement uh-huh. and, and he dies, he's a killer. Uh, sixteen, uh, thirty-five, sixteen goes on. The killer shall be surely be put to death. Seventeen, or if he hit him with a hand-sized stone by which one could die, and he shall strike him, then he die, and he died. He's a killer. If the killer surely, surely shall be put to death, or if he struck him with a hand-sized wood implement by which one could die, and he died. He's a killer, and the killer shall be put to death. Now, nineteen, it says the avenger of blood. We, you know, we've sort of removed everything in this world, in our culture. But the idea is the avenger of blood. It's uh, 3519, the avenger of blood. Uh-huh. That is actually the person that actually was the family member would be in charge of executing the murderer. He can't pass on the dirty work to somebody else. Isn't that interesting? That is. I read that and I heard that this last week as we were reading through it. And it really, it really did sort of uh, uh-huh. astound me, uh-huh. if you're a member of a family, and, and let's say your mm-hmm. daughter or son or someone was right. set upon by another person and killed, mm-hmm. you were expected mm-hmm. to go and kill that uh-huh. person who... I mean, you—that was a legal function. You—you were—it was. was your responsibility. But now it's important to realize that you were not allowed, like op- opposite of Islamic law, mm-hmm. you were not allowed to do it unless the, it was a court hearing, and the court decided that there was going to be a death penalty invoked. Okay, is he on there? Unless okay. you were like a great warrior. No, 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 no. This is uh, this was the primary difference. You could not take justice in your own hands. But even once you were assigned to do it, once you were... Once it was a verdict, you were to be the one to do it. You are not... And the you pe- by yourself had no, to go... No, no, no. You could take people with you, but you would be the one to have to do the killing. Oh, I see. Okay. And so it, it's required that you handle the dirty work. In other words, you got to appreciate 
how what it's like to have to do it. Like it's a member of, in our day, it would be like a member of the family would it have would to be, be the one to pull the lever. And we'll, the, get, we'll uh, get back to it after we finish with our guests, because... Uh, but uh, in 3522, it makes the difference. But we have a guest. His name is uh, Ron Cristiano. He is a uh, movie producer, a Christian movie producer. Is he on now? I thought his name was Richard. Rich. Cristiano. It was Rich. I just changed his name because I didn't care for the name. Well, I was wanting to talk to a rich Christian. Well, I understand. Rich, rich Cristiano. Well, why don't you bring him on? Is Rich Cristiano there? Is Rich, are you with us? Yes, how you doing, gentlemen? Uh, we're okay. doing wonderful. It's good to hear you from all the way out in La La Land, I guess, out in Hollywood or California way, I, I understand, right? Yep, I'm in Orange County. I'm in the nice area. But you're <laughs> so, yes. in way, you are right here in San Antonio as well, because this week you have a movie that is opening up here and across the nation, and we wanted to talk to you a little bit about it, Rich. I appreciate it. I'll give you some of the details. First of all, it's a special one-night showing Tuesday, January 29th at the Regal Live Oak at 7 o'clock. People must get their tickets in advance. Uh, this movie's called Play the Flute. And no, it has nothing to do with a musical instrument. It's about a youth pastor that takes over an indifferent youth group to try to motivate these kids to read God's Word, but more importantly, get serious about their relationship with the Lord. We feel like we have an excellent cast in this movie, and this movie's really come together. We kind of have an interesting distribution strategy here where we're planning all year to do one-night shows in theaters across the country, and in certain cases we'll even show it in churches. Um, People are captivated in the theater. Movies can really make an impact there, and we're hoping the San Antonio community would support this. If they want to watch the trailer, they could go to our website, which is playtheflutemovie.com. Okay. Go watch the trailer at playtheflutemovie.com. My contact information is there. They could email me, and I could put them in touch with our local contacts to be able to get tickets. This will be not only excellent for any youth group, this movie works for the elderly also. I did one showing here of over 200 people, and I would say 80% of the audience was between the age of 50 and 80. I had gone to a men's group that meets locally here on Friday mornings, and most of the men are retired and sold 96 tickets to those men. And there was a lady that came to our premiere, and her and her sister got 55 ladies from their Bible study group to come watch it, and they responded tremendously. Um, We have done some movies in the past that maybe some of the listeners have heard. We did a movie called Time Changer. We did a movie called The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry, a movie called The Matter of Faith. I have a twin brother, and we um, write our scripts together, and, and we put together a number of films. So we're hoping people will give this movie a chance called Play the Flute. And if you have a teenager that you want to encourage spiritually or anyone that you know, um, I feel like this film has a very strong gospel presentation, but also has some good plot twists. We have some name actors in it. Uh, Clint Howard's in this movie. Clint is the younger brother of Ron Howard. Right, uh, yes. I know. Opie, you know, and, and Happy Days. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fred Grandy's in this movie. Fred Grandy, of course, played Gopher on The Love Boat. On The Love Boat, yes, indeed. <laughs> and Loretta Swit is in this movie. Remember Loretta Swit? Well, yeah, of course. Loretta, I haven't seen her in a while. Margaret Houlihan's Matt, right? How did you and make Matt. those great names? I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's wonderful. 
and they were all very nice, and I think they liked doing the movies. I really think this guy's, I think there's a lot of Hollywood actors that would like to do the faith-based movies because they know they have purpose. I really do. Yes. Um, if somebody would give them a chance and give them a call, you know, actors want to act. Yes. They want to be in things, and so, And I think you know, they, wanna, they would like to be in something that's meaningful, that makes yes. sense, that that's, uh, benefits people, and frankly, I'm not even certain that a lot of them don't really have are people of faith, but maybe they're just holding it underneath the uh, table there a little bit, uh, you know, not not emphasizing it. But sometimes I've thought there's some good people there. I wonder if they're not really truly uh, on a personal level, uh, men and women of faith, or at least uh, Godward people. Uh, I've wondered about that, and some of the names you've mentioned are people that I've thought about. Sometimes I pray for actors and actresses when I see them in movies. I, I pray for them, you know, because I think, you know. I don't know. It's better than throwing my shoe at the TV set, I guess. But uh, I, I suspect there is, just like anybody else, they have to answer the great questions of life. So I've often wondered about them. I'm glad to hear about uh, uh, Miss Swit. I, I would I would be happy to know that she somehow, there was a little bit of flame of faith in her life. And I would agree with what you said. Keep in mind, most of these actors grew up, not in Hollywood, right? They grew up around the country. Maybe they went to a Baptist church or a Methodist church or sure. whatever. Or grew up in church. And I just think in many cases, they haven't been given a chance. Um, there is limited seating for this showing. So if you're listening, I hope you go to the website. I'll give it to you again. It's playthefluemovie.com. And that's how you can find, you can watch the trailer. But I want to tell you, gentlemen, I think this movie's really come together. That We've got some touching moments in this film. And the response so far is really been excellent i sent jacob some of the responses i don't know if he has them there but we really I have a lot of them and uh and i was very impressed and by the way may i ask you a, a segue question here what exactly sure. where do you get the title though i already know i thought it was a sequel to fiddler on the roof or it, something it, like that. well that's an obvious uh mistake on your part um <laughs> but where do you most get of my mistakes are obvious yeah, yeah so right. where uh rich where do you get the phrase for the movie Play the Flute? Maybe you could explain that to our audience. Well, the movie does explain it. When you watch the film, the movie does explain it. I will give you a hint. If you go to Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 and 17, that's where we're pulling this. The movie's based on those two verses. What I feel like today is the church has become indifferent. Um, you know, people go to church every week, that's good, but I feel like they're just kind of going through the motions, and a lot of people are not as serious about the Lord as they need to be, and I think this movie can be a spiritual shot in the arm for everybody, especially youth. I think if anybody that works in youth ministry, it's getting harder and harder. The youth have so many distractions in their life, and they need a spiritual push, so I think this movie can really do well. One of the actors that's in the movie... That's all right. That's our first segment is, is coming to a close. And uh, don't worry about it. We've got a few seconds left. Go ahead and finish your thought there. I was just going to say, you know, look, I hope people will give this movie a chance. Go to the website, playthefluteMovie.com. Watch the trailer. Um, it's an excellent cast. I read 1,200 actors for this movie. Uh, it's an excellent cast. Hope they'll give it a chance. Tuesday, January 29th at the Regal Live Hope in San Antonio. Thank you, Rich. Rich, thank you very much. And can they buy thank the you. ticket at the theater also? They can buy the ticket at the theater that night if it's not sold out. Yes. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Rich. Thank, Thank you, Rich. Thank you. There's that segue, folks. Rich Cristiano with us. Play the flute coming up this week. Don't go away.
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Let us praise the name of the Lord, for at his command we were created. Psalm 148, verse 5. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading titled Creation Song was written by Remy Oyadel. Using acoustic astronomy, scientists can observe and listen to the sounds and pulses of space. They found that stars don't orbit in silence in the mysterious night sky, but rather generate music. Like humpback whale sounds, the resonance of stars exist at wavelengths or frequencies that may not be heard by the human ear. Yet, the music of stars and whales and other creatures combine to create a symphony that proclaims the greatness of God. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the New Testament book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul reveals that in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. In response, the natural world's heights and depths sing to its maker. May we join creation and sing out the greatness of the one who, with the breath of his hand, marked off the vast heavens. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. National and local ministry shows you know and trust every weekday on AM 630 The Word, like Through the Bible, Mornings at 6, Know the Truth at Noon, and The Word You Stand On for Life, Afternoons at 4, on AM 630 The Word and am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. The artist known as 21 Savage is a rapper who spent most of his life on the streets of Atlanta. His latest, I Am Greater Than I Was, focuses heavily on that difficult past. This sophomore effort highlights some of the tragic events that have shaped who Savage has become. that 21 Savage feels he is greater than he once was. We should all be moving forward in positive directions, some of which show up in this album. But too often, the lyrics also veer toward references to gun violence, drugs, and sex, things that are much more destructive than they are redemptive. For the full review, visit PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Indeed, you are listening to the Bible live, and we are back to our topic. We just visited with Rich Cristiano, movie yes. producer, along with his twin brother from out and, in California. And may I California. give the directions where that movie and might I be? I thought that would be a good idea. Uh huh. You can go down 1604 East uh, from like 281, and you get off at Pat Booker. Uh-huh. The theater is right there at uh, to the right of um, sixteen oh four and Pat Booker. Yeah, okay. so uh-huh, it's right in there. It's a regal. Uh, it's a theater. regal theater. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you get off, you'll turn right on Pat Booker after you get off sixteen oh four, and you drive down about two or three blocks, and there's a big theater set in the back. It's a regal theater. It's a big theater. And it's called Pay the Piper. It's no, it's called. Play the flute. Play the flute. Okay, uh, and it's taken An obvious from what did he say? Again. Matthew eleven. What's that? Matthew eleven. He said uh, uh, Matthew eleven sixteen seven. Where it talks about people who are very uh, shallow. I, I, I played the flute for it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I play uh, very shallow in their faith, and it, it's riches. Uh, believe that that our our. The Christian community across our nation that we've grown lax, we've grown very shallow in, in our commitment, and uh, that we really need to get more serious about our, our walk with God and about the task of serving Him in the world we live in today. And uh, couldn't agree with him more. I, I, I suspect this is going to be a very, very good movie. I, I'm amazed that the actors and actresses. Yeah, are in he's it. made a several other Christian movies, and he uh-huh. does make uh, Christian movies. I guess him and his brother do. And they've done really well, and I think. And I ask him. Is your is your name really Cristiano? And he said, "Yes, that's really his name." Yeah. Well, his uh, rich Christian, and by the way, rich Cristiano. That's rich kind of interesting. Cristiano, yeah. Un Cristiano Rico. But uh, the thing is, his tw- he, along with his twin brother, he sounded awfully young to me. Did you uh, ever ask? Oh, him sure. His age? I, I've I've met him before. He's <clears throat> he's not that young. Oh, he's not. He's no. a little older. Uh, he's our, not he just, our age. No. What do you mean ours? Your age. <laughs> your but, age. But uh, he's but he is. Uh, he is, uh, I'd say he's around 40, 40 okay. early 40s maybe. Well, seems young. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's made several movies. All right. And he's, he does well. Great, great. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. Uh, and like and I, I say, it's at uh, 1604 and Pat Booker. And, at the Regal, the- uh, the Regal, the Regal Theater. Theater and you'll see the movie. It's set back a little bit. It starts Tuesday evening. Uh-huh, on the January 29th. And okay. uh, uh, as if the tickets are not sold out as Rich 29th? That's what he said. So we have to wait a whole week for this. Well, thing. you do, yeah. Yeah. 
What do you mean I do? I don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> you just fill in the time, right? Uh, oh, there you go. Well, there we go. We, we've done that. Now let's go back to our consideration why here of the uh, books of Numbers so remember, and Deuteronomy. Now, something's interesting about the priest. If you did, and it's uh, 3522, uh-huh. and if it says, but if the, if the killing is done with suddenness, without enmity, uh, he did. He did not push, or he didn't hurl, or it was an accident. Sort of like he's chopping wood, and the axe handle came off, and accidentally. It's accidental. Him. Yes. If that happens, he can go to the city of refuge, and that will protect him against somebody who wants to take revenge upon him, or the avenger of the blood. And uh, and what's interesting as is as long as he stays in the city. As yeah. long as he stays in the city. But when can he leave the city? When the high priest uh-huh. that is uh, in place when he mm-hmm. commits the crime, I guess, well, or the crime or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, the, the killing, the accidental yeah. killing. When that happens, uh, the high priest that is uh-huh. uh, serving at that time, uh-huh. when he dies, when then he dies. he's free to leave the yes. city of refuge. Uh-huh. So, Which I don't get the connection between that at all, but okay. Well, you don't. I thought you were a Bible-thumping Christian. Well, <laughs> I can thump all I want, but I'm still not going to understand that. Yeah, no, it's Why a, does I've it seen Bambi Thumper, the, uh, yeah. Huh? I've, I've seen Bambi Thumper. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's because of this. Well, doesn't Jesus? You see, it's a, it's, a, it's a similar lesson of Jesus taking on your sin for you. Okay. Oh, let's hear it out loud. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, I was about to do that, and all of a sudden I saw uh, in some ways, symbolically, the, the high priest has taken upon himself. Yes. Oh. So, you, so you're getting a <laughs> lesson there, which yeah. becomes a, shall I say, a model for, for the Christian to understand that Jesus died for your sins. So that, oh. There you go. So That's, that might be an added understanding or layer of understanding or detail of understanding. Uh-huh. About when the book of Hebrews talks about him being our high priest. It could be, yes. That you should see, be an additional yes, yes. understanding. See, these, of, these things all fit together. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. I, I needed to be reminded that the whole thing does fit together. It does it makes fit together, yeah. well, No, but I have never thought of the that particular role of the high priest and how that that, that is a picture of... Uh, of Dying uh, for our sins to release us from our uh, guilt. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. You are just a re- really helpful individual. Well, I wish that I could take credit for like well, uh, uh, coming mean, up with this, but I'm not doing anything but repeating what other people I know, have said. You may as well have come up with it because I just didn't. I had not made well, that connection anyway, before. So the, Maybe our listeners have. If if uh, if you're listening and and, that and, was, and you'd like to call and John comes back. Yeah. <laughs> Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone number. You can call any time during this hour. Two ten. Two ten uh-huh. is the area code. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. And uh-huh. you can comment about uh-huh. almost anything you'd like. You know the movie that we've uh, just kind of uh, pushed a little bit there. Uh, what is it? The play the flute. Uh, play the flute. And uh, you or you can talk to us about the book of Numbers here. Uh, about the cities of refuge. We might even get to talk about the Book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Yeah, and Deuteronomy, the cities anyway, of refuge just, and so on. Just to clean up the last couple things with the uh, uh-huh. Book of Numbers, uh-huh. which in Hebrew, of course, they don't call numbers. They call bar me bar, which means wilderness. The wilderness, yes. Okay, so what's interesting, in Chapter 33 of Numbers, uh-huh. there is 42 stops 
from Egypt, which in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which means boundaries. Boundaries of what? Boundaries of sin. So they were in the boundaries of sin. So you get the picture. See, here's another nice analogy. Mm -hmm. They come out of the boundaries of sin. They go through the wilderness. That's perhaps we're going through the wilderness now. Mm -hmm. But when they get to Israel, which is symbolic of heaven, Uh but an earthly kind Mm -hmm. of idea, is 42 stops. Now, isn't that fascinating? 42 stops, that the, and they actually give a tribal, the, the travel itinerary yes, there at do. the end of the book of Numbers. It no, got it's it, chapter it goes 30, back, 33. Yeah. It goes back and reviews all of these places. It started out at the city of Ramses in, in Egypt uh, the morning, I guess it was the morning after the first Passover celebration. It starts out there, and it tells every city that they uh, went through. And I always remind, for example, uh, people, uh, let's say students like those we teach out at Lackland or other places, that uh, the stops as well of the as well as the steps of the believers are guided by the Lord. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you, very you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But the stops, the steps, and even the missteps at times are used by or God. Or the Mr. Steps. To, or the Mr. Steps, yeah. Miss or Mrs. or Mr. Uh-huh. Uh, the stops, the steps, and the missteps are guided by the Lord of God's people uh-huh. because he uses but all of them to build a isn't, up. Okay, now I want to tell you, in chapter 33 is the 42 listings. Mm-hmm. Some of those are not physical places. Ah, isn't that interesting? Places you'll never identify. Mm -hmm. But two quick points. One, some of them might be like lesson learned as a stop, you know, or even a mystical thing, if you like. But if you take this, and this has been done, and you trace your diagram, you've seen those little kid puzzles where you connect the Mm -hmm. dots, huh? Mm -hmm. If you do that, you'll find a smaller view, a microcosm of the actual shape of the land of Israel. Is that a fact? Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact, Jack. Anyway, so, I, I, well, I would have to see it to believe well, it. But if you, you say it, Jacob, well, I'm and but here's the most, here's believe. one of the things that you ought to fall in love with, and I know you know this already. Mm-hmm. Is there any place you can think of in the book of Matthew where there are forty-two genealogical stops? Yeah, I would say in the book of Matthew. Ah, it, it, where the where, genealogies where? Ah. that are given at the first of the book? We ah. we. No. We commented on oh, those when yes. we read them. Yep. The forty-two, uh, the forty, there's supposedly three generations of yeah. fourteen, 14, each. fourteen to fourteen, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and uh, that's forty-two. Uh-huh. That is not an accident. That is the matches the forty-two, shall we say, genealogical steps uh, or stops, as they also we match the physical, if you like, stops from. Sin until Israel. But there's something else that's more, it's also remarkable. 42, and I'm not going to go into it, but I will give you the hint. Mm-hmm. There's a, shall we call a secret name of God that's made up of 42 letters. It's buried in there. But don't worry, and I'm not going to answer any questions about it because I'm not getting that. But it is, it's also the name of God. So then when you've got this idea, you've also got that idea buried in Matthew's. Probably. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. And now you've piqued our interest. I'm I know I have. I'm trying to figure out how to make you tell and us. And if you watch if you watch this show week after week, you may get the answer. You mean if you listen? No, I meant watch. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, you did go over that twice, so I figured you did. Okay. okay. Should we go to the book of Deuteronomy I now? think we should because there's some things we got to get to. Okay. The book of Deuteronomy is uh, the fifth book of the Torah. 
Uh, we kind of give a little background. It is a, uh, you know, you never agreed with this in a way. I've, I've mentioned this before. A lot of our commentaries, a lot of commentaries that we have, talk about the book of Deuteronomy. One, it means a second law, and I think the idea well, is not that is comes, a second that comes law, from but the Greeks. The second, give, yeah, it's the Greek. Uh, what is it named? What is it named in Hebrew? Darvim. Darvim. What does that mean? Uh, words. Okay, words. <laughs> Interesting. That's because one of the ways that the, all the names of the books for the Jews are is taken really from about the first major idea in the first sentence. Mm-hmm. So look at Deuteronomy one one. Uh huh. Okay. And it says, "These are the words of Moses who spoke." Okay. Now we got something different here. What does your version say? Uh, that 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 new creative one they've got there. You know? New creative what? Uh, Bible you've got there. Deuteronomy uh, one one. What's your? Story? These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people what? of Israel well, while they go. were in the wilderness oh. east of the Jordan River. There you go. Now remember, he's on. He, they haven't crossed the Jordan yet, right? Right. Uh, these are the words of Moses. Now you will not catch this in English, but some really really good translations in English does have this after Genesis. So that would be Exodus. That would be Leviticus. That would be Numbers. They all begin with the word and. A-N-D, and. But mm-hmm. when we come to Deuteronomy or Davim, uh, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say and. Now it begins with the words of Moses. Moses is now explaining what's happened up until this point. God doesn't appear and start talking to Moses again until way later, which we'll probably explore next week, mm-hmm. in the book of Deuteronomy. All this is Moses talking. Mm-hmm. So that's very important, and that'll explain why, in chapter 5, which we'll look at in a moment, why Moses gives a little different understanding or twist on the Ten Commandments. Because mm-hmm. he's explaining. Also, this is a very, 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 may I say, very important idea of something you're familiar with, which you would call, in in the Gospels, the Christian Gospels, uh, the Sermon on the Mountain. This is uh, uh, hakel, which means the assembly. In every, and this is actually the first time this takes place. And you'll find that later on, you'll actually find it in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy. We'll get to it later. Mm-hmm. He says so, and one of the laws are that every seven years, the king, whoever is the Jewish king, can't be another king, he, he takes the guys on the side of a mountain and he teaches them the book of Deuteronomy. And actually, the Sermon on the Mount is the book of Deuteronomy, but it's Jesus' way of teaching it. As Moses is teaching his way, that's why it's the yeah, words it's of Moses. It's not necessarily reading the book of Deuteronomy, no, although at times so. it seems to be that. I remember Josiah, the young king, uh-huh. when he read, he actually read the uh, uh-huh. the Deuteronomy sure. to the people, and uh, so sometimes it, or teaching it, reading, uh-huh. teaching, commenting on it through sure. it. So that that was a fascinating observation. I had never understood the Sermon on the, on the Mount. And I'm I'm not sure. If, uh, well, I'm sure somebody. Well, you know, in, before, in Matthew seven twenty nine, I have to remember that it says he spoke with authority. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that well, that means spiritually or God. Yeah. And I'm not going to take that away. Maybe it does, but I personally don't think so. I think he's obeying what the law in Deuteronomy is. And if it is, then we can determine if he was thirty three, we can determine what 
part of the, when seven years occurred that he would speak these. And his job as a Messiah would be, as a king, mm-hmm. would, would be. Would he be would be have the teach. responsibility of yes. teaching the people the, the right. laws of Moses. And the if you really get the idea what happens then is you've got the Romans understood. He's standing up there and declaring himself king of Israel. Well, no wonder that they put him on the cross and they put mm-hmm, a plaque mm-hmm, on there that says, mm-hmm. here's the king of Israel. Mm-hmm. They knew. All these people understood what was going on. And I'm just suggesting somebody can disagree with me, and that's fine. But uh, I think that starts making the story make sense. Sure, uh, without a doubt. It, it's an added element of understanding, uh, and, and that Jesus knew who he was and what he was doing. Well, so we have Moses uh, say the book of Deuteronomy, it means uh, uh, the second law. The, uh, it comes from the Greek, but it's talking about not a second law, in its, but a second giving of the law. Now to a second generation. Uh, this ah, is, a, a is it a second removed. generation? A generation removed. Tell from, me why you say that. Well, because the second generation after leaving Egypt uh-huh, uh-huh. and at the base of Mount Sinai, uh-huh. that entire generation of men had uh-huh. passed from the oh, sea. Oh, you got out of it. I was going to trick you, but you got it. Did I get it right? You got it right, a hundred percent. When I when I said men, yes, you did. Okay, all right. Because now I was going to ask you so. Who actually crossed over into Israel? Do you know? Well, yeah, people of Israel. You said you actually technically said it right, and you're going to find it in uh, chapter two of uh, Deuteronomy. I suppose these would all be young men who were born in the wilderness, ah, and and their families. So, women, uh, the women. Crossed over. Aha. Uh-huh. The women did not get blamed for the what the mm-hmm. men did wrong. Mm-hmm. Caleb, Joshua, Moses. Or Moses didn't go, of course. Caleb and Joshua uh, went in. Uh, Joshua and Caleb went. The men that were 20 and under. And, under. and the women. Isn't that interesting? So women never got blamed. The, the idea of how women were treated is really kind of a misnomer. No, no pun intended when I say misnomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, So it's really a little different. And if you look at it, it'll be in chapter two. Yep. And uh, and he's talking about. In fact, would you be? Maybe you would. Maybe you have a Bible would be with so indulgence. Nice chapter as to two, read. verse fourteen through sixteen. What does the world does that say? Thirty-eight years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh Barnea, until we finally arrived. Finally crossed the Zered Brook. By then, all the men. Old enough to fight in battle, had died in the wilderness. Bingo, as as yep, the Lord so, had yeah. vowed would happen, the Lord struck them down until they all had been eliminated from the community. What, and what is, when all the eight men of fighting age had died, the Lord said to me, I guess this is Moses, right? Uh-huh. Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar and uh-huh. enter the land of the Ammonites, okay. the descendants of Lot. But do not bother them or start a war with them. I have given the land of Ammon to them as their property, and when I will not give you any of their now listen, land. What, you know, that's repeated several times. Yes, and also about Egypt. Mm-hmm. What I want to point out is, yes, the Bible says the land of Israel was given to Israel, Jews. However, other pieces of land were given to other people. The land every of Egypt nation, was given to the people. Every, every nation had its borders. And he tells them very clearly here, you're not going to exactly. take any of their land. You I've given it that. to them. Absolutely. Which is really fascinating. I noticed yeah, that several times Nobody ever talks the about that God gave other lands to other peoples. Mm-hmm. And so each people, each nation had its own assigned, God-assigned piece of land. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is very interesting. And I wish I could find it. Some years ago I read in the book of the Psalms, 
I believe it was in the Psalms, the, the principle that it is God who governs the movements of nations, the movements, the migrations of peoples, and that he directs those and guides those. And uh, I, I've always, I, I wish I could remember where that is exactly, but it ties in with this point that uh, God, does, God gives certain lands to certain people in certain times, and he governs right. uh, these things, which is kind of interesting in light of our current idea of no borders. And no that, borders. And, and, and the no border idea, a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with what I'm about to say. Boy, the ears are listening now. Okay, yeah. Uh, is that, indeed, um, the um, people that have no borders is almost going back to the Tower of Babylon where they want to do away with the mm-hmm, borders. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and um, so anyway, but there's a couple other very interesting things here. And you're talking about, we talked about the men of war died. Okay? So each yes. person dies for their own sin, not mm-hmm. somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, John, is somebody on the phone? Yes. Um, and uh, so, and then we're going to go over into uh, chapter 5 as this continues. Mm-hmm. And Moses is going to recite... The Ten Commandments. Yes. Okay. Oh, you, uh, you've you've got a friend online on the phone there. So. All right. Good. We'll go get. We'll talk to Lee. I just want enter in your point though about in chapter five, Moses uh, spoke. I he speaks the Ten Commandments. Now let me let me give a thought about that just before we go to Lee. Why, sure. On the phone in that. We have these ten commandments. We've already read them in the book of Judges, chapter yes, eleven. We have. Yes. Ten commandments and. But then Moses takes in uh, number uh, in Leviticus and Numbers. He expounds in Leviticus particularly. He expounds on those ten basic commands. And let me see if I get it right because the the summer the book of Leviticus, for example, is not the sum total of all commands of oh, God. Oh no, absolutely not. But the point is, is that uh, in the book of Leviticus, what they do is they start taking the ten commandments. And they start giving more mm-hmm. detailed understanding of what they mean. In other words, uh, let's take the commandment about honoring your father and mother. They might expound upon that idea of what it means. Mm-hmm. Here are several examples of, of how you might honor your father and mother or how you might dishonor your father and mother. Sure. In other words, they expound mm-hmm. on each of the commands to give kind of a practical understanding of sure. here's a situation in which this might apply. But it's not exhaustive. It doesn't mean it's, it's all no. the, the, the and, commands. And sir, I know you want to go to the Lee, uh-huh. and we'll get to him real quick. I'll tell you what, why don't we pick up on that, and you go ahead and talk to Lee, and we'll come back. All right. Lee is on the phone with us, calling in here to the Bible Live, uh, the quiz show here on the weekend. And Lee, it's good to hear from you. Good to be uh, on the radio, and thank you for taking my call, Sophie. You bet. Uh, Ruth and I, um, Jacob. I took his call, and you... you uh, I'm the one that took the call. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Okay, you get a lollipop. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, Ruth and I are the, the local host for this film. We heard uh, Rich Cristiano yes. on the radio. Yes. At, and uh, I, I tell you, as it was a privilege to see an early cut, and I have, I just can't recommend it enough. Um, you know the story. It's about a youth pastor mm-hmm. who's played by Brett Marble, who takes over in a different youth group, 
to try to motivate his students to, to re, just to get into the God's Word and get serious about the relationship with the Lord. And I'd like to encourage the pastors and, and deacons and parishioners to consider this as a vehicle to reach out to their friends and neighbors. It's evangelistic. It has a purity theme. Uh, it's great for disciple-making. Uh, I just can't say enough about it. Um, it's the best. You know, it's like there's Christian films and there's Christian films. Right. We watched one the other day. I'm not going to give the title, but I think they they mentioned God twice. Nothing about Jesus Christ. Nothing about salvation. No scripture quoted. Uh, Matthew 11:16 and 17 is the scripture on this. So I would just like to encourage folks to go to playtheflutemovie.com, read about it, and they can get their tickets there. Um, and uh, Rich will direct others uh, to us. Good. Uh, it does. It does take uh, just a bit more online, as you know, because of the fees the credit card companies do. Right. But I, it's uh, it, it's uh, you, you just can't beat it. It is a rare opportunity. To feed the flock, win the saved, and, and disciple make. And it's going to air here in San Antonio, uh, January the nineteenth. No, so- no, no, no. Wait a minute. January twenty ninth. Yes, you do. Why don't we ask Lee when it's going? When is it going to air here? Okay, it's going to air January twenty ninth at seven p.m. That's two nine. Can you can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. January 29th at 7 p.m. Only one showing limited seating. January 29th. Live, right. Live, live Oak okay. Cinema. We'll, we'll repeat that over and again as well, Lee. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. God bless you. Keep up the good work. All right. We're going to take a quick break now. Don't go away. 340-9585. We'll be right here. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Final segment uh, this evening. Okay. Uh, the Bible so, Live Quiz Show. We and, were uh, going to pick up. We've been with a fellow way. named Rich Cristiano from well, Los we Angeles. And then Lee. And Lee called in. They want us to remember this movie that is coming on the 19th. It is 20th. not coming. I keep saying 19th. I mean 29th. I don't mean yeah, that's to really you, a folks. clever thing you're doing because that makes people want to think about oh, what you're I saying know. so they can correct you. I know that's, that's why they, very they love to correct. People love to correct oh, me. Oh yeah, I mispronounce words just so people will. That's correct. the only reason I do it. That's the only reason I ever make a mistake is just so to uh, give other people the joy of correcting. Yeah, well, <laughs> I actually when I was in college, I did write on the college paper, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I would occasionally misspell a word or they put some punctuation out of place. Just because everybody was reading it, right? No, I was always told, right, for the broadest audience available, there are people that read to find only the mistakes. Uh So I wanted to write for everybody. There you go. There you go. Well, we are back. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show, our final segment. If you'd like to be a part, ask a question about... Oh, well, who knows about almost anything biblical? Uh, it would be nice we're if it was reading, about what we're talking about. Particularly John. discussing the books of November, uh, November Numbers and principally uh, the book of uh, Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law to uh, a, a second generation. But it's having Moses come out of Egypt. that's giving it. And it's he's Moses. actually doing what became a Jewish tradition of every seven years, we'll find it later in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the king or the ruler of Israel must do this every seven must years. teach the law. The, to- every seven years, the book mm-hmm. of Deuteronomy. And I've actually gone through and lined up with the entire thing in the Sermon on the Mount and identified the exact passages that is in the book of Deuteronomy. That, that is what? That's the book of Frankly, I, I, everyone I tell that to, they think I'm brilliant for telling them, and uh-huh. I, I don't give you credit at all. I just I don't, think I, don't I, care. I, I don't care. It's but it's a beautiful – I had never understood. Of course, the Sermon on the Mount, in, to some degree, stands on its own. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Sure, People have picked on up it. on it. Absolutely. But I had not ever heard it identified as a messianic claim on behalf of Jesus. In other words, he was doing what the king of Israel is yeah. supposed to do on right. every seven years. And you'll find it actually does occur the in the Tanakh of the Old Testament yes. seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. So he's doing it, but only the king can do it. I and think you're Hezekiah right. does it, Josiah uh, yeah, does but you, it. But you're right. Uh-huh. Uh, you're absolutely right. It will stand on its own, mm-hmm. but whether you know it or not. But yes. anyway, but I do want to tell you something. I want to point out something. In chapter 4, before we get to chapter 5 with the... Uh, mm-hmm. Ten Commandments are again. right. Look in chapter Deuteronomy, chapter four, and uh, if you would be so kind, look at uh, verse fourteen. Ah, just before the warning against idolatry, ah. he says, uh, "You didn't see his form; he was only his voice." He's talking. Moses That's is reminding. Years? Moses hmm. is reminding them of when they heard God's voice from the mountains. Okay. Uh, from oh, Sinai. you're laying a groundwork, aren't you? Uh, yeah, he proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep, and which he wrote on two stone tablets. Okay, it okay. was at that time that the Lord commanded me to teach you his decrees and regulations oh. so that you would obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Uh-huh. So, here's the question, Soapy. What's the difference between a decree and an ordinance, or what's your version? Regulation. regulation. Okay. What would be the, what's the difference? Now, you'll find that occurring in many English translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll say laws and, uh, sta- uh, some, some English versions say statues and something else. If you're calling in, don't hang up. Uh, stay with us. Yes. John has taken John, John's not feeling well. Uh, he, uh, and he's, oh, so please stay. Keep, yes, keep we, calling. We see the calls. We just can't put you on. Just stay on, as Soapy says. Yes, uh-huh. John's not mm-hmm. feeling well. Uh, your question was, your question to me was, what's the difference between a decree, decree and a regulation? Or, I do not or know. And mine says ordinance, but same idea. Commands, ordinances, yeah. decrees, regulations. And you will find that is some English translations will translate 
the words instead of decree and ordinances. I'll say statutes and yeah. something else. And but it's the difference. Don't I, I won't use the Hebrew words because that's really not important. But there is a difference, hmm. and it's very very important. To okay, know. tell us about it. Ah, thank you. I was hoping you'd encourage me. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I want you to know that a decree is something that we do not understand why God said do it. Oh. Ah, that's so we don't know the reason well, for it. Well, there are actually a pretty good number of decrees, I would well, say. Uh-huh. But there are things that are ordinances or regulations, as you say, or laws. Mm-hmm. That's actually a different Hebrew word. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about things we know the reasons for, like don't commit adultery, Mm -hmm. don't rob people, Mm -hmm. don't steal, don't kill. Those things we understand. So it's the difference between the items in Hebrew that we understand and those that we do not understand, yet that we're still told to do them. I have a question about that. I don't understand. What's your question? Uh, Well, I I, want to see if I understood you correctly. Uh. (laughs) In other words, there are a number of decrees, things that we see God telling the people of Israel to do, that they really don't seem to make sense to us in any kind of a logic. There's, why? Why is that important? Can I give Take, you an example? I can give you an example. Oh, I, I was think. afraid you were, and I'd get trapped, but go ahead. Circumcision. Oh, that's a pretty simple one. But there's no reason. Sure I don't, there is. Why would... Sure I mean, there's is. not any particular reason for that. Yes, there is. There, okay. Then First I, of all, it's because God says so it. Agend- well, that's what a decree is. It's just God tells you to do it. I thought you just said that, that God tells you to do it yeah. just to do yeah, it. Yeah, I was. And you yeah. don't, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It is. It has is a logic true. to it. It is true. And yet if I go to any Christian church and I say circumcision, everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, well, we know what it is, but we don't know why. However, nowhere in the Bible does it ever say what part of your body. Or or dietary laws. Oh, you're right. That's funny. It doesn't. If I say, is it your ear, your nose, your little finger, what is it that you circumcise? Your your earlobe, right? Yes, sure. What I'm saying is everybody knows, but it's not in the Bible. So how do they know? They only know because the Jews have explained what it means, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't tell what part of your body. And I think one of the rationales for that is that certainly there's cleanliness involved. But secondly, it also is, it's part of the covenant. If you want to see it illustrated, look at the in Exodus. But I'm saying, does it qualify as a decree? Because we Gentiles, and I'm pretty sure even you Jews, you don't actually know why. I mean, like, would what would, what would qualify as a decree? How about the dietary laws? We don't necessarily know why you can't eat shrimp. I, I know it's because God says don't eat shrimp, okay, but yeah. in other words, what I'm saying, are, do those qualify as decrees? No, those would be laws. Well, what is a decree then? You said it's something okay, we decree, don't know the reason for. Example, for. Well, for example, I think one of the good ones you picked, obviously, is uh, the circumcision. Uh-huh. But there's another really good one. It's the red cow. Well, you're right there. Because we don't know. but And nobody really understands it. But supposedly when the Messiah explains it, we'll all understand and uh, so, but the law, the other thing. I so, get it. Okay. Okay. So that's what it's really all about. But if you want a picture <laughs> of the circumcision idea, look back in Exodus. Mm-hmm. And the Passover, they, yeah. They the put door. The, they put the blood around the door frame. Mm-hmm. They don't put it on the roof. Mm-hmm. 
They don't put it in the windows. They put it on the door frame. Why? Because the people inside that house will be in the covenant. Ah. And, and actually the word in Hebrew for that covenant is called Brit. And so it's like Brit, like British. Mm-hmm. And so that is the covenant. So the people who are in that house are all covered by that covenant. And by the way, there were not just Jews. There were many people mm-hmm. from many nations. Sure. But at any rate. Anyone who would put the blood. Yeah. Uh, and and a, you could go into any Jew's house at the time. In fact, there was a, even a tradition that I Jews see. would always leave, even now when they do Passover, technically they leave, leave the door open. They leave the front door open so anybody's welcome. Yeah. Anyway, so. I like that. That's kind of. Well, that's the idea. A, and, but the covenant is, and you get the idea of a door frame, is, may I say, delicately symbolic of what is circumcised on mm-hmm. the body because that's where the uh-huh. descendants are coming out of, you might say. Mm-hmm. And so, so the idea is all that. So there are decrees and ordinances, or as your version says, regulations. Some say statutes and laws, I think, in English, but it's okay. It's the same idea. There are two things. Now, what I really want to jump over to is two two other items if we got time because there's something okay. Go that's for it. really interesting. In chapter 4, verse uh, 16 uh, through 19, do you still have your Bible? I do. I have it right here. Well, it's 4, 16 through 19. Now, this if at first appearances, at first blush, this appears to be a troublesome passage. Right. Do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, and all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his very special possession, mm-hmm. which is what you are today. Well, does it appear on a, on a first blush reading that God is saying, okay, now you guys, you got this invisible God. But he gave these sun, moon, stars, male and female images and birds and all that to other nations? Is that a selective process? Is that what that means? So he's saying you guys, and I like to hear you refer to yourselves as you guys. That's you guys. Yeah. He says you guys have been given right. this invisible right. God uh-huh. to worship. Yeah, you go. You can't, he didn't see him. He only heard his voice and all. That's right. But You know, you, just, you actually said it. That's the key to what this means. I, I'm, I'm a natural. I know you are. I should have been a Jew. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, we're but, circumcised but no, no, next week. That's what he's saying here. But, but to these other nations, huh. the, the they have the witness of the stars and nature and the animal kingdom and all. And what we're talking about, he's talking. But you've been given a special revelation. Well, from me. where? At Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. But they could see the mountain, couldn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they heard the voice, the thunder. Uh, they saw the smoke and the fire. They mm-hmm. saw all that. Mm-hmm. So they saw those things. But they knew there was something behind it, something invisible, shall I say. Now, except not everybody could be at Mount Sinai in the whole world. Right. So what God really did with these passages he said, he's not saying, I apportion those to the other nations, meaning that, well, they get the moon and stars and fish and men and women. They get all that, but you get the real thing. 
He's not saying that. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, you saw something physical, but you knew there was something behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the what you might call the Mount Sinai experience for the rest of the nations that could not be at Mount Sinai. They Sounds all like a ride at Disney World or something. Well, if, if I look up in the sky and I see planets or mm-hmm. moon or mm-hmm. sun or stars, mm-hmm. well, I, it's the same thing like I was at the mountain, I saw the mountain. But I know something behind that and what's going on, but I can't see God. Well, if you look at the mountain, uh, the moon and the stars and the planets and everything else, you see it. So that's your Mount Sinai experience. But you have to say, well, wait a minute. Somebody made that. Somebody made that. That's just like the Jews at Mount Sinai. They could see these things, but they didn't see God. So if you look up and you see that, God apportioned that to the rest of the nations Mm -hmm. so they too would have a, quote-unquote, Mount Sinai experience. They could see things that are clearly physical, but they can't be there unless somebody made it. Can I ask you, does that that coincide with the idea of, of... uh, general revelation, uh, what we call, uh, what we come to think of uh, theologically as general revelation, mm-hmm. as opposed to special revelation. In I other don't words, know. I, I'm not good with the terms. You'll have okay. to explain that. General revelation means uh, revelation that God has given of Himself to everybody, everywhere, nations, all over. We all see the sun, the moon, the star, the seasons. The mm-hmm. we feel the gentle breeze. We see the power of the ocean currents and so on in the ocean waves. Okay. So we see that, and it causes us to to wonder about the Creator, mm-hmm. about His power, His goodness, mm-hmm. and whatever that we see reflected in nature. In other words, it's natural revelation. It's general. It's given to everybody everywhere. So am Eskimos I understanding this correctly? in Alaska have it. Yeah. If uh, I were on an island uh-huh. and I knew nothing about Mount Sinai or gods or anything, uh-huh. and I was walking around and I saw monkeys, and there was male and female monkeys, and then uh, there's also giraffes that are male and female, rhinoceroses. The so, clouds, the uh, wind. Well, before, don't go there because I'm making a brilliant oh, okay, point. Okay, you are. Okay. And, and so uh, I could go home and say to my wife, say, hey, you know what I was noticing today? That no matter what the species is, what type of animal, it's always male and female. Uh-huh. How come there's not some other kind of sex? How come there's not something else? It's always male and female. And I'd say, you know, that uniformity means something. That was de- designated that way. So that is that the kind of general revelation you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it makes you think about a creator. It leads you to wonder about and ponder uh, the one who made it because okay. there is an order to it. it it's yeah. so orderly. It's so beautiful. And it's so uh, benevolent to us in every way. It seems to be, exist for our bene- our blessing and our provision. That we tend, oh, it's like the native people, uh, Apaches, uh, Comanches, Navajo from uh, 500 years ago on this planet, or, or, or a thousand years ago, when no one, there were believers, there were people who loved God and worshipped God and, and because I, they saw yeah, His handiwork. Sure, that's that's a good way of putting it. And and I, the reason I wanted you to explain it because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not real good with that term general and special. Huh. I, I'm not familiar with that. I think that's a Christian way of phrasing things. That's why I wanted you to explain mm-hmm. it cause because I'm not, I'm not good at Sinai it. would be. Sinai. Special Sinai would be special revelation. That would be okay. It was a where he actually says something. He, he, yeah, he speaks. He he moves. He acts within 
Uh, he acts and he speaks and he moves among the people and gives them a special, not just one individual, of course, as you say, all they all saw it. It wasn't just one guy, Moses. It See, was, back in the beginning of uh, of, of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 4, I should say, you, he's talking strictly to the Jews. He's saying, hey, you saw the thunder and the lightning mm-hmm. in the mountain. You mm-hmm. saw all that. Mm-hmm. Those are physical. Mm-hmm. But you didn't see anything. So now when we get to 16, he says, now beware, you don't start worshiping the mountain and stuff, or the mm-hmm. sun and the moon and the male and the female and the birds. And he says, I gave those, or apportioned those, to the other nations. And we say, does that sound like, did I get something... Did the other nations do something lesser than a real God? And the answer is no. No, no, no. He it's, was uh, it, it, it's actually the theme of Psalm Psalm 8 talks about, David talks about, uh, when I consider the sun, the moon, and stars, which thou hast made, yeah. what is man that thou art They're mindful of him. And excellent. Psalm 19 talks about the, the sun, the moon, the stars. Nature sends forth its message to people all over the earth. You know, it speaks right. to, okay. to... So that's the idea of general That's the revelation. idea. So, in other words, God wasn't giving something lesser to the nations. He was giving them their own Mount Sinai mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Now, if we switch over in the interest of time, mm-hmm. um, and I'm always interested in time, uh. <laughs> if we switch over to five... We're going to re- he's going to run through the Ten Commandments again. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so, now, there's something... I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, yeah. and I should so have no other at, gods before look me. Look at something very interesting. Uh, and now, remember, the children we just talked about earlier, um, they, the children under 20 or under, the boys, the, uh-huh, the boys... Uh-huh. They didn't die. They got to go into the land of Israel, right? Mm, right. So, and they, we learned that it was 38 years, right? Yes. So let's say 20 plus 38 is? 58. So these guys could be 58 or in the 50s. These mm-hmm. are not young men. Mm-hmm. So, but now look at how uh, in verse, as it goes through the Ten Commandments, you get down to uh, f- number 5, verse 9. Mm-hmm. Look what it says. Very interesting. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me. And obey my commands. Yeah, see, now I didn't know that's how yours read. Mm-hmm. Actually, as awkward as this is going to be, I'm going to have to disagree with that okay. translation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because actually it says, who visits. Actually, the King, the original King James used the word visit. Mm-hmm. And it says, who visits the sin of the fathers upon the children to the third mm-hmm. and fourth generation. In other words, he's not punishing children because he's a very, and how do we know that? We know that from the example just given two chapters earlier that the children didn't get, didn't die in the wilderness. They weren't blamed for the sins of their fathers. The fathers were in the wilderness. The fathers had to travel and die, but the sins that the fathers did, the children had to stay with them until their parents died, and then they had mm-hmm. to bury them. Then they could go over. So what he's saying is, I visit the sin that the fathers put on you. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm a jealous God. Who's he jealous of? Other gods that don't exist? That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. He's jealous for the children. 
And he's saying, look, I'm going to take care of the children. They're not guilty of the sins that the fathers have put on them. Mm -hmm. If your father sins, I I visit that sin. I take a look at it, and I say, who is actually the sinner here? Is it the father or is it the son? The son's not guilty. And we have one of our prime examples is the children, 20 and under. They go over. Mm-hmm. They don't get blamed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always troubles me, and I'll be honest with you, it's one of my flashpoints, mm-hmm. is that I read in many translations that the children get punished for the sins of the Father. Well, if a God, if some God does that, he's not just, because the children did not sin. It's exactly the opposite meaning. It means that God's going to visit the sin and say, whose sin is this? And you'll find it over and over. It's mm. at least 20 places I know of through the Old Testament. Well, I can't, uh, I'm not prepared to actually speak to the actual phrase that you're mentioning I know, here. I know. Uh, but uh, I, I've always thought that, apart from the idea of God's judging uh-huh. sin, sure. that it might be that He's talking about the sins of the Father. Do reverberate? They do affect yes, their children. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts them. If I well. if I raise, it's my not a child, matter of God's judgment. It's a matter uh, of our sin. It's when the I father sin. that's putting the sin. Exactly. If I raise my child in a bad neighborhood, he grows up in a bad neighborhood. Or but, if I teach him bad habits, if I sure. introduce him to things he shouldn't be introduced to as uh, a parent, and such I, as in my disobedience, such as look at the previous commandments. Just listed right there. Uh-huh. Don't have a carved image. Mm-hmm. Don't worship false gods. So as you're saying, if I teach my son to worship a false god, an image, a carved image. Or, or if I do it before him. Yeah. Well, you're teaching him. As an example, yeah. yeah. Well, what happens is you've taught him something bad. And so I've, and you're the father. You taught him to sin. So I'm not holding that against the kids. I'm holding that against you. But the reality, though, is, too, that... At times, the sins of the father do have a, a, a negative effect on the children. Agreed. It is, but and it's look, not a judgment and, and, of God. And look, and look what the rest of it says. I, I visit the sins of the father. Now I'm reading mm-hmm. the literal translation. Mm-hmm. The sins of the father of the father upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Now, why would he do it to the third and fourth generation? It's not that he's punishing the children to the third and fourth generation. That would be an unjust Mm -hmm, God. mm -hmm. What he's saying is, I'm going to give time for the generations of the kids that were taught bad Mm -hmm. by the sin of their fathers. I'm going to give time for it to be weaned out of the third and the fourth generation. Wonderful. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give time because even a grandchild, a Mm great-grandchild, might still be in that neighborhood. And, so and, and turn gonna, away from that sin and turn go. back to God. Yeah. So God's a sweetheart. He is. And so that's, uh, that's one of those there. things that always trouble me because I don't have a God that punishes innocent little children for something I do wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, then, uh, well, we're coming to the end of our segment here. We so are? I, uh, oh, man, I, I want to go for another two hours. There is something, <laughs> there is something I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure, trying to let's go. remember what it was. Uh, I am struck by the fact that in the book of Deuteronomy here, uh, yeah. we are introduced uh, clearly to several people groups. Uh, the Amorites uh-huh. that were descendants of um, – who were the Amorites descendants of um, – was that the Edomites? I know were from Esau, sure. Jacob's Edom, brother. Edom, huh? Esau, yeah. Uh, the Amorites were descended from. Oh no! Uh, but there's several people who are descended. 
29th at the uh, Regal Movie Regal right? Theater. Yeah, and Pat Booker in 1604. Play the piper. Uh, play the flute. Okay. Play the flute. And remember, you should always be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent. God bless everyone. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.